is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Rankings week begins with the quarterbacks. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is Fantasy Football Today on Monday, April 27th. Hope you all enjoyed the NFL draft. It was good to have some sports back. Hope you enjoyed episodes three and four of The Last Dance. I didn't watch it yet. I look forward to doing that later this week. I'm Adam Azer. Dude, they, killed, they killed Dennis Rodman. Oh, no. And then they brought him back to life. It was amazing. Oh, wow. Jon Snow style. How about that? Mm-hmm. Was it good? Of course. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, all right. So so uh, that's Jamie. Dave's here. Ben Gretsch is here. Clean shaven Ben Gretsch. He had a big, thick, juicy mustache for a while, but that's gone. Juicy? Yeah, whatever. And uh, what was the biggest rankings adjustment you guys made at quarterback after the draft? I downgraded Ben Gretsch for shaving his mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I downgraded Aaron Rodgers. He is no longer in my top 12. Jamie, what was your your real one? uh, I dropped Rodgers one spot. He was 11, now he's 12. Ben? Yeah, I didn't make very many adjustments to the top Dak. Uh, I didn't have Dak at three yet. I had Russell Wilson there. Dak's very clearly the QB three. Now, I guess that's probably the biggest one. Yep. That happened to me too. Okay. So that's probably where we should start, but we, we should, cause I'm going to make a case for four different players to be QB three QB one and two is going to be Mahomes and Jackson in some order. Maybe it depends on the format. I'm just gonna we're just gonna have a debate about it. Otherwise, we're not gonna have anything to talk about today because it doesn't seem like the quarterback rankings changed too much. But I'm gonna ask you about Drew Locke, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow. I'm gonna ask you about the Miami situation, the Chargers situation. Um, yeah, well, we will discuss Aaron Rodgers because in addition to getting him no weapons, seems like they're gonna want to be a little more run heavy this year. Uh, we're gonna try to take a look at at the impact rookie wide receivers have in quarter on quarterbacks in general. First, let's do some news and notes. The Saints are close to signing Jameis Winston, and they signed Taysom Hill to a two-year, $21 million deal. Jamie, what, if anything, is the fantasy impact? I mean, does this give you more confidence in in the Saints passing game if Drew Brees gets hurt, something like that? I would hope that they would turn to Jameis like they turned to Teddy Bridgewater last year if Brees went down, but, you know, Sean Payton is, <laughs> seems hell-bent on making Taysom Hill a thing as a quarterback. Uh, the money is weird for a guy that's got six career passes, but I don't know. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I, I would say if you have Jameis Winston in a dynasty league, you want to hold him if you can, because if they do decide that, oh, Taysom Hill's not the heir apparent at 29, let's go with the 26-year-old who's got a 5,000-yard season on his resume, and hopefully he does the right things in practice. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd wait that out if you can to see if he's going to take over as a Saints guy maybe as early as next year, based on what Sean Payton said, that this could be Breeze's last year. I'm at the point where I think Taysom Hill has blackmail on Sean Payton. <laughs> well, okay. It all started with, hey, I, I know something secret about you. You better let me play. And now it's turned to, hey, I know something secret about you. You better give me $20 million. Let me ask you this. Who's a better player to have in Dynasty right now, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill? Jameis. Jameis. That guy. Do you feel like but, maybe we're missing something on Taysom Hill? If Sean Payton believes in him this much and we know he's he a told, He told guy. us how he believes in him, though. I mean, last year when when Breeze missed five games, yep. he played yep. less. But now he just signed him to a two-year deal. 
but they're also going to probably sign Jameis Winston. So, so they also confusing. traded back into the seventh round to draft Tommy Stevens from Mississippi State, who transferred from, well, I can't think of it, Kentucky maybe? Um, I can't remember where he transferred from, but he... Your mustache would have known. Penn State. He, uh, Penn State. And at Penn State, he played quarterback, running back, wide receiver, H-back. I mean, in New Orleans, they're already calling him in, in like their local papers. They're already calling him a Taysom Hill clone, and they traded back into the seventh round to draft him. I think what we're all maybe not missing, but discounting, is that Sean Payton thinks this is a role that is worth paying money for and having a player on your roster dedicated to. He now has a handcuff if Taysom Hill gets hurt for someone who can be a Taysom Hill player. And again, they traded back <laughs> into the draft to grab him. Uh, he's six five, runs a four four nine. I mean, uh, very similar to Taysom Hill in terms of um, having quarterback size and and potentially throwing ability, but also being super fast. I, I don't know if he also plays special teams, but it's a weird thing. Peyton's the only one doing it, but I agree with Jamie. I mean, they didn't actually play him last year when they needed a quarterback. I don't really see Hill being a a fantasy option in the future. It's just it's just it's just a matter of Jameis is going to a impress them enough that they want to make a long term investment in him, and b is he going to want to stick around. You know, I mean, there's no guarantee Breeze is done. So it's a gamble for your dynasty team. Like, I have Jameis in, in a dynasty league, and it's going to be a tough call if I can just sit on him for a year. Yeah, and uh, in terms of the Saints being the only team that's doing that, maybe the Eagles will follow suit this year with Jalen Hurts, but they took him in the second round. We'll talk about that situation. We, we really, and I'm sorry, I just neglected that whole Eagles situation over the weekend, so we have to spend some time on that. Meanwhile, the Seahawks releasing two starting offensive linemen, center Justin Britt, right guard DJ Fluker. Not Britt, he, he's hurt. They kind of got a replacement for him. Uh, so I don't know that this is a huge deal, but two well, offensive linemen. Britt's not linemen official on. yet, right? No. I, no. Well, I, I think Britt was and Fluker was. It doesn't matter. That's going to happen, right? So uh, those two guys are, will be released. Matt, here's a couple of quotes. Matt LaFleur on Aaron Rodgers. Quote, Aaron is a pro. And he's the leader of our football team, and I anticipate that for a really long time. All right, we're going to talk a lot about Aaron Rodgers. This one's more interesting and very revealing and pretty honest, to be quite honest. Buffalo GM Brandon Bean on rookie running back Zach Moss. Zach, as I said earlier, he's going to be more of that first and second down guy. He also said, I think more of the goal line and things like that, as we did with Frank last year, you'll see Zach do. I think Devin will do a similar role that he had, and then we'll see how TJ mixes in there. And that's a really confusing quote, Dave, because, you know, Singletary, by the end of the year, was his role was first and second. I mean, he was getting a ton of carries. He just wasn't getting goal line carries. What do you make of this, you know, very candid um, quote about Zach Moss and Devin Singletary? It's, uh, it's jarring, for sure, because... I thought what you thought that Devin Singletary, you know, I think it's like the last nine games, including the playoffs, he was averaging 16 carries per game. He seemed to be on a, on a path toward being the lead back there. And maybe he still will be. Zach Moss has to go there and, and earn a role, but you're now getting a glimpse into how Brandon Bean views Zach Moss. And he watched Zach Moss play and he saw Frank Gore. He saw a, a physical tackle breaking type of guy who can work at the goal line. That was an area that Devin. Now we really know they just didn't want Devin Singletary to work at the goal line last year. And even if Moss gets that role, there's still Josh Allen who who gets a lot of short yardage rushing touchdowns anyway. 
it it feels to me like it's going to be more of a split. I did downgrade Singletary in my rankings. I think he's more of a round five type of pick as a as an okay number two running back. Um, maybe he'll end up catching forty passes this year because they they seem pretty set on him being the the third down guy. I don't think T.J. Yeldon's going to get in there. I don't think they want to take Singletary off the field for Yeldon in that situation. But it it it's going to be more of a split than. I think anybody really believed after the draft. I don't know. I, I, I thought that was the case when they drafted Moss. It was going to be split. I, I always expected them to draft somebody, which was frustrating. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's uh, I, it, I think Singletary will stay on the field for third downs, but they just don't throw to their running backs very much. That's, you know, just the nature of their offense. Yeah, it just reinforces the lack of upside in this in this role, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, Singletary had 29 catches last year in 12 games, which is not bad for a rookie. His last six regular season games, he had the fourth most carries in football and the fifth most rushing yards. He did not have a rushing touchdown, though, in the in that stretch. And kind of mentioned this on Saturday, inside the five-yard line, maybe it was Friday, whatever it was, uh, only two carries for Singletary. Frank Gore had 11 inside the five-yard line. So, rankings week, Begins today with the first of five episodes. Uh, quarterbacks today. We're also going to do running backs tonight and air it on t- tomorrow morning. Uh, but you'll have wide receivers Wednesday, tight ends Thursday, and then a mailbag. Kind of bring it all together. Mailbag on Friday. And please send your questions in via Apple Podcast Review. So it would be great if you could leave us a kind review with a question, five stars, and we'll read them on uh, Friday. show. We'll also read your emails, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. I might go for some fill-in-the-blank or something like that on Twitter, so you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. Jamie is Jamie, at Jamie Eisenberg. He's J-A-M-E-Y. At Dave Richard. At Yards Per Gretch. And at Heath Cummings Sr. At Heath Cummings SR. Uh, at FF Today. At, what is Schrager? At Schrager, what's your Twitter handle? Ben Schrag. The one you didn't follow for like six months? <laughs> <laughs> well, who can remember that? S-C-H-R-A-G-G. Two Gs? Yes, you got it. All right, cool. All right, so uh, I looked at the la- – I ran out of time. I only got to look at the last four years of data. Do rookie wide receivers help their quarterbacks? Kind of hard to say. The problem is a lot of the wide receivers that we've seen lately, the the ones that have been picked first have not been the best ones in their rookie seasons. So, look, last year you had the best rookie rookie wide receivers were paired with Dwayne Haskins, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson, Jimmy Garoppolo, who missed almost all of 2018. So you cannot sit here and say that those guys had an impact on it. You just don't know. The, the wide receivers had an impact on the quarterbacks. But McCall Hardman, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Paris Campbell, they didn't help their quarterbacks. D.K. Metcalf, did he? I don't know. It, statistically, not really for Wilson. Last year, inconclusive. Calvin Ridley had a huge... It seemed like he, he was a huge help to Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan had a much better year in 2018 than he did in 2017, but he also threw the ball a lot more. And he had 79 more pass attempts, and their defense got much worse. Remember, they went from 8th in scoring defense to 25th in scoring defense from 2017 to 18. It started the second half of the Super Bowl. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But they got super hurt in 2018. Uh, You know, Cam Newton improved a lot as a passer in 2018. There were probably a lot of reasons for it. Norv Turner, Christian McCaffrey in his second year. But probably DJ Moore helped a little bit. 
Newton was having a really good year? You, typically, I think the answer is probably no, but you might find a few cases here or there. But I, I have I take issue with two of your characterizations from 2019. Okay. Like, pretty big issue. You threw Ryan Tannehill in with, like, Dwayne Haskins and Jimmy Garoppolo and said his rookie wide receiver didn't impact him at all. A.J. Brown Here we had go. more. A.J. Brown's right. lander. You're right. He did. more Brown's yards lander. after the catch than any other Titan had receiving yards after Ryan Tannehill took over. He literally made Ryan Tannehill fantasy relevant. Yeah, no, you're, you're right about that. I guess I, I just meant, like, <laughs> Tannehill, it was a change of teams. It wasn't. It wasn't comparing – Quarterback on sure, a quarterback sure, sure. on a team from one year to the other, but you're absolutely right. AJ Brown, and then the other was Michael Hardman. After Tyreek Hill went down, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Hardman didn't start all year, but Patrick Mahomes didn't fall off, and part of that was because Hardman's deep speed and and Hardman had a really good start to the season. Four touchdowns in the first eight games, pretty solid production for a rookie right out of the gate. I guess, but he needed Tyreek Hill to get hurt. It's not like he added on to the production of the Chiefs yeah, passing I'm just game. He helped. I think he helped. Adam, don't slander Ben's guys. It's early in the morning. I'll give, you the, I'll, give you the, uh, I'll give you the Titans one. I, okay, it's up to interpretation. Just wait till you start taking shots at Chanel. I think there's a point there, though. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think necessarily that the rookie receivers are, are very great for fantasy as um, year one players. Uh, right. I, there is data that shows that they will be better later in the year than earlier in the year, and we shouldn't necessarily expect them to break out uh, right away in September. But I, I do think when we think about their quarterbacks – the, the ones that can play are going to help, I think. They're going to make things better either from a scheme perspective. Like I, my point on Hardman was I think he helped uh, Patrick Mahomes from a scheme perspective and added depth to them. And instead of Tyreek Hill's injury really hurting that passing offense, they were fine. And I, I'll, I'll, other than a scheme perspective, I think just from a playmaking perspective, I think they, they can help. Okay. Yeah, Drew Locke's going to the Hall of Fame now. Well, I think Carson Wentz was the – the uh, basis for this research because I think he's the kind of guy that could benefit from the yak like uh, like Ryan Tannehill did and the speed that they added. But we'll get to that. Let's start with who is number three. And it seems like across the board for everybody, it's Dak Prescott. So just just to have a little fun with it, I've got the case for Russell Wilson, the case for Dak Prescott, the case for Kyler Murray, and the case for Deshaun Watson. Is it even worth wasting my breath here? <laughs> no, I think some people probably would you know, look at it. You said it the other night when they got CeeDee Lamb that you don't think Dak is going to put up the same type of numbers. Yeah, it has so nothing to do with CeeDee Lamb. I just, right. I just don't think he's throwing for 4,900 yards again. I mean, we, we could be sitting here saying how great Dak is, and obviously we'll, we'll all adjust to that, but he could still hold out. I mean, they, they've, they've made it pretty clear. We're going to build around you, but we're not going to pay you yet. So you may be like, well, I'm not showing up. Give me okay. my deal. So, so let's start with the case for Dak Prescott since everybody has him third. He threw for 4,900 yards, 30 touchdowns, 11 picks. He rushed for 277 yards, three touchdowns. Okay, case number one, just added CeeDee Lamb. Case number two, he threw for 800 more yards than Russell Wilson and like 1,100 or like 1,000 more yards than Deshaun Watson. Uh, case number three, he threw 80 more passes than Russell Wilson. Dak Prescott has thrown more pass attempts in, in each of his four seasons, or three seasons in a row. He keeps increasing. He threw 70 more passes in 2019 than he did in 2018. He still has a great offensive line, even without Travis Frederick. Dallas was sixth in scrimmage plays. Dallas was 10th in pass attempts per game. Here's a big one, and I don't know if this is a positive or a negative. 
because you figure the Redskins, they have a great defensive line. Um, and the Giants still should have a bad defense. Maybe these teams are better defensively. But in four games against the Redskins and the Giants last year, Prescott threw, uh, Prescott scored 41, 32, 27, and 37 fantasy points. He killed the Redskins and Giants last year, six point per passing touchdown leagues. Is that a positive for him, or do you think you could spin it toward a negative that maybe he doesn't take advantage of those matchups the same way he did last year? He he probably will not take advantage of those matchups the same way, but I think I look at it this way with Dak. I, it, it's very hard. Same thing with Lamar Jackson, same thing with Mahomes. It's hard to replicate what you do year over year. Um, you have to build in, obviously, some of the regression that's going to happen to players naturally. So it's just what the expectation is. Is, is he ha- Does he have a chance to be better than those other guys that you mentioned? That's the way I feel. I feel like he's going to be better than Russell Wilson, better than Deshaun Watson, better than Kyler Murray. So if he if he slips, I understand that as drafting him that there may not be the same level of production, but I think he just has been given the chance to have an opportunity to come close to it again. So th- there's, there's negatives uh, that you can look at. He lost Travis Frederick. You know, we don't know how that's going to impact him. Um, across the board, uh, you know, Zeke could have a, a better year scoring touchdowns that could certainly uh, hurt him. Um, and, and, and the contract situation is something that could, you know, be a problem early in the year if it becomes, you know, where he's missing time in training camp, but shows up for week one. So I, I think Dak has a chance to be extremely uh, successful again. And, and I'll go back to what I said following the, the draft when we talked about this after they got Lamb. Sometimes quarterbacks just click at some point. It, you know, for Brady, it was he got weapons and he became a monster. And I think that's what we saw from Dak last year, that, you know, it was a full season of Amari Cooper. It was Michael Gallup coming into his own. And now he's got arguably the best rookie receiver landing in his lap. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of speed if you want to nitpick the offense. But I don't think that matters. Those guys certainly run well enough. They're great route runners. And yeah, I think this is similar to the point I was just making about Mikol in that if Amari disappears and people have talked about him as being a little bit of a disappearing act at times and not being very consistent, if he has some struggles midseason, if Gallup gets hurt again, he missed a little bit of time early last season, instead of things really falling off for Dak and him all of a sudden needing to rely on a guy like Randall Cobb or or Blake, you know, Cobb's not there anymore, but Cobb last year or what he's now going to be dealing with at tight end, which is Blake Jarwin. We don't really know how consistent that will be. Guys like at that level, he'll now have CeeDee Lamb, who for me is the top receiver in the class, who can, I think, at that point, step into a a, a big role and maybe have an impact like A.J. Brown or Michael Hardman did last year uh, for Dak. So it's just more depth, more talent, and less reliance on, uh, you know, Amari's not always been healthy as well. Amari and Gallup's health and, and their consistency. Now you have a third really high-level weapon, um, it just insulates him so much uh, where I don't think you can say the same for Wilson or Kyler or Deshaun Watson. If those guys start to have some injuries at wide receiver or, or what have you, the, the, they don't have as much talent around them. Dave, I, I do want to talk about Russell Wilson, though, because I think he's I think he has an interesting case. And, and here's why. Because he was basically as good as Dak Prescott. I mean, their fantasy points were, were pretty similar last year. And that was with Prescott throwing 80 more passes than Russell Wilson, as I mentioned. And 800 more yards. But Wilson's a little bit better as a rusher. You know, maybe like uh, 100 yards or something like that. He's a little bit better. 
Um, and he's a very consistent. Four of his last five seasons, 31. This is the case for Russell Wilson. 31 or more touchdown passes. He's just amazing at touchdown passes. Whereas Dak, before last year, where he threw 30, had never thrown more than 23. Um, and in the first nine games of the year, before Tyler Lockett got hurt, I know he didn't miss any games, but he got hurt, had to go to the hospital, Wilson was the number one quarterback in fantasy. He was better than everyone, at least in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. I'm not sure about four-point. I can look that up. But he scored 60 more fantasy points than Dak Prescott. Uh, let's, that's not really fair. Prescott played one fewer game. But Wilson averaged 29 points per game. Prescott, 24.6. His struggles were directly coinciding with Tyler Lockett's injury. Um, he, he throws fewer interceptions than Dak Prescott. And his running backs keep getting hurt. So if they say they're going to throw the ball more, you know, I think there's a great case for Russell Wilson ahead of Dak Prescott. I think I might be on an island there. But what do you think about the case I've laid out? I, I think that you make the case to put him ahead of Kyler Murray, which some people certainly have. I think Jamie does. Um, I'm not sure where Ben sits on it. But if you're nervous about Kyler Murray being too hyped up, then Russell Wilson's your fourth, if not your third, if you're not believing that Dak Prescott can can bounce back. The things that I see about the Seahawks are uh, Lockett's amazing. I think Metcalf can take a step forward. I think the Seahawks have a plan at tight end, whether it's to use multiple tight ends all the time or what. But that's going to be another outlet for them. I'm getting the sense that they think Chris Carson's going to be okay because they didn't spend big draft capital on a running back. I, they added DJ Dallas, and he's physical, and he's exactly what they want at running back. But you mentioned it. Who knows what they really have at running back? And I, I'm not sure where they are defensively. And they're in a division with the high-powered Cardinals, the high-powered Rams. The 49ers can put points up on the board. This is, I, I think we're looking at a year where Russ is going to have to throw a little bit more than we're used to. He attempted just over 500 uh, passes last year, 427 passes the year before that. And you look at 2017, he attempted 553 passes. He had 3,900 yards, 34 touchdowns. I think there could be a, a season like that where he's got more touchdowns than he had last year. And I, it's rare for him to throw for, for over 4,000 yards. He doesn't do it very often. He's done it what, three of his last seven seasons? I think he could do that again this season. I think they're going to have to rely on Wilson. And that right. makes me excited to draft him. And I'm hoping I can get him at a good value on draft day on top of it. Because I think a lot of people, they're going to see CeeDee Lamb go to uh, Dallas. And they're going to put Dak ahead of him. Okay, but, but I and, just want to have this conversation about comparing the two. Because the value might be better. But why do you have Dak ahead of Wilson? Because I think when we, when we evaluated Dak... Before the draft, it was, well, he's probably not going to do as well as he did last year, but he'll still be really good. And now they've added Lamb. So now I think that there's a chance that he can be as good as he was last year. Okay. Uh, anybody want to get on? You want to talk about Russell Wilson? Anything you disagree with from what I said or any reason why? No, I think I think Wilson's the, the fourth guy. I think uh, you guys both laid it out pretty clearly. Dave has him fifth behind Kyler. No, no, I, I know, but but what Dave said, you know, yeah. he's 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 safer than um, Kyler, and I think he may have just as much upside based on how this offense is going to look. I do think they're going to change a little bit. All right, let's make a case for Kyler Murray then. You think adding Ceedee Lamb is good? He got DeAndre Hopkins. He threw for three thousand seven hundred twenty-two passing yards. That's more than Wilson or Prescott threw for in their rookie seasons. Only twenty touchdowns for Murray, but. 
Very unlucky in the red zone. Six most red zone pass attempts, 23rd most passing touchdowns. Eighth most green zone or inside the 10-yard line pass attempts, 12th most passing touchdowns inside the 10-yard line. He rushed for 544 yards. That's about 200 more yards than Russell Wilson did in each of his last two seasons. So that's the equivalent of throwing for 500 more yards uh, than Wilson. That that basically makes up the, a 500-yard passing yard gap, his rushing prowess compared to Russell Wilson, who I already told you rushes for a little bit more than Dak Prescott. Arizona, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Last year, they were only 22nd in the NFL in plays from scrimmage, 31st in time of possession. My thought is second year in this offense, second year with Kyler Murray, they get better, they run more plays. That's going to be their goal, obviously. I think that we could see an uptick there in uh, in the pace of their offense and in the in the plays that they run, basically. So that's my case for Kyler Murray uh, to be number three. It basically he's got more rushing prowess than Wilson or Prescott. He was unlucky in the red zone, and I think Ben is just part of you know baking in DeAndre Hopkins and second year improvement. Yeah, I mean, I think if you are looking at who the and this is a little bit of a bold statement, but who, who has the upside to contend with Mahomes and Jackson? And I, I'm not really discounting Dak and Russell's upside, but Kyler's upside is kind of unique because he is the, the guy that can run for so many yards and so many touchdowns on the ground. And you just noted like what that, what that makes up in terms of passing stats. It It, it is so helpful. That's why Lamar Jackson was so good this year. I, I don't really have to belabor that point, but uh, the interesting thing I think that you were talking about with Arizona in their scrimmage plays or time of possession, their time to snap was extremely high last year. And that's what we expected from Cliff Kingsbury. They were a quick to the line team, which is something that uh, if their defense improves, should help them be a uh, a higher overall play volume type offense, which, again, these types of these things are all going to be positive for Murray in year two, as you kind of noted. But, yeah, it's that combination of, of rushing upside that is more significant than Dak or Wilson at this point in his career. Um, and, and obviously those guys can provide some rushing value too, but they, Mur- Murray's rushing upside is going to be so much more significant plus some, some passing upside. And he was pretty solid last year. We get Hopkins. You talked about the red zone issues, you know, Kingsbury, we, th- we hoped would be a little bit more um, forward thinking. He settled for just a crazy amount of field goals inside the five and 10 yard line last year. And he got hammered for it in the media. So hopefully he, you know, uh, reconsiders that next year and lets Kyler Murray make some plays on fourth downs down in close and, and try to find some touchdowns. So this, yeah, th- this is the upside pick in the top five. The hardest case to make was the case for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I like, I don't think anybody's going to have him three. But I was actually a little surprised that, Jamie, you had him ahead of Kyler, and Heath has him ahead of Kyler. Dave, you have Watson sixth. So if you want me to just read the rankings right now, it's Mahomes-Jackson. I'm looking at six-point for passing touchdown leagues. Mahomes-Jackson for everyone, for Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Then it's for Jamie, Dak, Wilson, Watson, Murray. For for Dave, it's Dak, Murray, Wilson, Watson. For Heath, it's Dak, Wilson, Watson, Murray, same as Jamie. Uh, Jamie, um, I would have thought for sure Watson would be six. How come you have him ahead of Kyler Murray? I think this is his Cam Newton year. Just put the team on his back and say, do or die, because he has nothing else. And he has Brandon so Cooks. I, I mean, I, I think it's kind no, of— No, Cook, Cooks, is, Cooks is a part of it. That's yeah. the reason I moved him ahead of, of Kyler. I just feel like the thing that worries me about Kyler a little bit is we kind of, I think, fantasy-wise, and I'm not— 
uh, myself, analysts, uh, drafting, you know, we kind of fell for shiny new toy a little bit last year and with Baker. And you tend to overlook the guy who's done it year, year over year. And so while Hopkins is a, is a loss, I think Cooks makes up for it a little bit by whatever percentage you want to put there. So I think Deshaun is going to have to sort of say, okay, you basically bleep me by taking away my, my, my best player. And so if I have to carry this team back to the playoffs, if I have to carry this team as a potential MVP, I think he has the potential to do that. So it, it's, it's kind of like Russell Wilson light. Like I just feel safer with Deshaun Watson than I do with Kyler. I agree with everything you guys have said. Kyler has much more upside if he clicks. But as we saw at the end of last season with Kyler, when they were running the ball better with Kenyon Drake, his numbers went down fantasy-wise. So I think Watson, I don't trust David Johnson. I, I have more faith in Brandon Cooks bouncing back than I do David Johnson bouncing back. So I think whatever Cooks provides, whatever Fuller provides, whatever Deshaun will do running the ball, I think his, his production will be a little bit safer. Uh, higher floor, lower ceiling than Kyler if everything goes well. But... Uh, there, there. You know, I, 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 I can see myself flip flopping on those two guys back and forth. But I do think that if you're shooting for upside, you take Kyler over Watson. And shouldn't, isn't that what you should be doing at quarterback this year? Um, at the top, I think you can make an argument that safer is a little bit better. You know, so uh, the thing that's been successful for these quarterbacks is getting them late. Mahomes was late. Lamar was late. Um, you know, when you start to get into the okay, who do I need that's going to help me be the best team that I could possibly have? Those are the scenarios I think that are good. If you're taking these guys early, which you know, again, our drafts versus most drafts are different. Um, I think it, you make an argument for for safer is a little bit better. And it's not like Deshaun Watson doesn't have upside. Like to your point, if he puts a team on his back like that Cam Newton year, and, and we know he can do that uh, since college, he's the kind of guy that right. Um, you you look at his stats, he's better when his team's down. He's he runs more. He's better for fantasy. Runs more. He throws at a higher touchdown rate. He's more efficient when the game is on the line. He he's always been a gamer and he's not without upside and, and neither are Russell and Dak. I, I I do agree with Jamie. We we can over um overemphasize the, the shiny new toy a little bit, but he also named, you know, Lamar and, and Mahomes, who are guys who were exciting later round sleepers and they were great values, but it, it, it that also is a kind of a little bit of a counter argument. Maybe we were just on the wrong shiny new toy last year because right. Lamar was great and we were all on Baker for the wrong reasons. And Baker and it was the same thing like like like, think about Baker. He was coming off a strong rookie season, strong enough that you could say, okay, you can see some signs. He got a new weapon in Odell Beckham, and it was like, oh, wow, okay, now you're adding Odell Beckham to this guy that just had a, a, a strong season, and maybe it just wasn't as good. Now, I think Kyler's in a better spot because he runs, and I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to do more for the Cardinals offense than Beckham did last year for the Browns offense. So I, I love Kyler. I think Kyler's got breakout potential. You should absolutely draft him. If you think he's third, take him third. You can make an argument maybe he's he's – Second, you know, people are thinking Lamar Jackson is going to fall off that much. But I just look at it as uh, all these guys have the chance to be really special. But you've seen it from the other five. Can I make one last point on Watson, Adam? Yeah, sure. About 30% of his production over his three seasons came on passes to Hopkins. And last year, he only had one game with 20 or more fantasy points where Hopkins did not have 15 in PPR. And there were two of such of those games in 2018. So over the last two years, and I don't have it for 2017, but I can get it. But over the last two years, only three times did Watson have a game that we would consider good for fantasy where Hopkins wasn't good for fantasy. And so I, I think it's huge shoes to fill for Brandon Cooks. I can't count on him to do anything close 
to what Hopkins had last year. I can't count on Fuller to help pitch in. I, I'm nervous about how he's going to go about matching last year's numbers. Well, I'm very interested to see the results of this Twitter poll that I meant to post last night, but I posted instead today, which doesn't give us great results. Uh, who is your number three quarterback this season? Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson. I posted this about a minute or two minutes ago. Um, right now, Dak Prescott, 167 votes in. He is the leader. Russell Wilson is a close second. Deshaun Watson. Oh, no. Kyler Murray has overtaken Watson at third. And, Wat- and uh, Watson's fourth. Oh, Kyler Murray is now fourth. Deshaun Watson is third. But Dak Prescott, 35% of the vote. It's a horse race. What'd you say? I said it's a horse race. Yes, it, 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 like it is. <laughs> Russell Wilson really closed the gap because Dak had a big lead earlier, but now it's uh, it's getting close. All right, I'll let you know that was later. Good. That was good in the show. play by play. You should call that site that's offering a million dollars. He shoots, he scores. Get ready for another stream of the FFT Twitch channel on Tuesday, April 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Myself, Dave, Heath, and Gretch. We're all going to be broadcasting live from our new Twitch channel. We'll debate draft winners and losers, and throughout the entire hour, we will be answering your chat room questions, and that's the most fun stuff. So ask us your questions. It could be about anything, whatever. Let's just have fun with it. Go to twitch.com slash fftoday or search fftoday on Twitch to follow us ahead of time. Again, twitch.com slash fftoday. That's not hard. Or search fftoday on Twitch to uh, follow us ahead of time. We'll also put the Twitch link in the description for this episode. There have been talk about uh, video games. Shraggy B, get on here. Uh, playing video games for this, not necessarily. Video games, poker, beer pong. Whatever. A whole bunch of fun on Twitch. I've Whatever got, we want to do. I got the old school Tecmo Bowl that I could play. Oh, I will whoop you at that game. I can we play each other? I don't there know. is a good chance you that won't. we can make that happen. I'm t- you will not whoop me at old school Tecmo Bowl. Like you Are you talking Tecmo Bowl or Tecmo Super Bowl? Because that's a I'm talking either one, bro. Either one. All right. Bring it, uh, mustache. Tecmo Super Bowl is where I want to bring it. Okay. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more quarterback rankings here. Oh, Dave also wants to get his haircut on the show tomorrow. Is that going to happen, Dave? If you wanted to. <laughs> Dave's wife might cut his hair. We'll see what happens. Uh, did Carson Wentz move up for you guys? Yeah, one spot. Technically, he moved up one spot because I moved Aaron Rodgers down. And that would be that would be 12th for Dave, 11th for Jamie, 8th for Heath. Yeah, I had Wentz at 10th, so I didn't move him up, but I feel more confident in that ranking. How much did Aaron Rodgers move down? I think one spot, you said, Dave? Uh, two spots. For two me. spots. Jamie? One spot. I am at 13th now, so I... I think I had maybe had him at 12th before, but yeah, I don't feel very good about him. Everybody's got Rodgers 12th or 13th. So let's talk about the guys behind Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, you know, are, are you like Jamie's got Stafford one spot behind. Dave actually has Stafford ahead of Rodgers. Heath has Stafford ahead of Rodgers. Um, ben, Stafford or Rodgers? I have Stafford nine. Okay. I'm very Stafford, Stafford might be this year's wait, wait, wait for a quarterback and then hit it big. Yeah. I've been taking him in almost every draft we've been doing early this year. Yeah, I have him very high. I heard you guys talk about that on the first half heroes episode. First half heroes, whatever it was. Got stars in their eyes. The guy has been the same quarterback for so long, though. No, he was an entirely different quarterback last year. That's my point, Ben. My point is, let's not make too much of eight games, especially when... 
You look at those eight games, he had some cake matchups. I think it was like the Giants, the Raiders. He crushed them. But year after year, Matthew Stafford has been a good quarterback, like usually finishes around QB 10, but never as good, maybe one year early in his career, as good as he was for the eight games last year. So I'm just wondering if we're taking a small sample size and expecting a little bit too much. Let me give you a quick reply on that. I believe since 2013, he never had an average throw depth higher than, I think it's eight yards per attempt. I didn't know we were going to be talking about Stafford, so I don't have the stats right in front of me. But from 2013, or 2014 through 2018, he was an underneath passer. After Calvin Johnson's late career, his top targets were Golden Tate, Theo Riddick, all those guys. Daryl Bevel took over last year. His average throw depth led the NFL. He complete. When I say he's a different passer, I don't mean statistically. I mean fundamentally how he was playing the quarterback position. He turned into Jameis Winston in Tampa. A lot, not as much volume overall, not as many pass attempts, but a lot more downfield passing, which is what helped him have such a good eight. So there's there's underlying reasons to believe that eight game run can foretell a big yardage and touchdown season in 2020. OK, I like that. See, I know you can't recite the Matthew Stafford stats off the top of your head, but man, we bring up A.J. Brown. Uh, actually, we just bring up Ryan Tannehill on a quarterback show, and you've got the A.J. Brown stats. Uh, Burning in my head. Did you guys move Gardner Minshew up, and how do you feel about him? I did not move Minshew up. He would be a target for me as a number two quarterback in super flex leagues. I did. I moved him over Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I, like we're, ta- we're kind of splitting hairs. I think the big takeaway from this draft, and we went into the draft, I was doing some super flex dynasty um startups i did did two in um earlier in april and in march and it was tough to even first of all know who was going to be the starter for some of those teams so we got more clarity there but outside the top maybe 20 you have four quarterbacks and there some of them are in the in the top 20 you have four quarterbacks that are going to be 38 or older so they're tougher to to trust tom brady breeze ben roethlisberger and philip rivers they're all locked in starters but there was others that weren't necessarily clear starters I think we feel a lot more comfortable about Gardner Minshew now, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins. Those guys are going to start uh, in 2020. And we we have to feel more confident about Drew Locke's weapons and Gardner Minshew's weapons. And so I think the, the – and Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, I think his uh, profile improves. So I think we have to feel a lot more comfortable about the, the QB2 range now. I, th- that was the big takeaway for the draft for me. I still think Cam Newton ends up in Jacksonville. But, but does anybody other than he think Gardner Minshew can be really good? I think he can be really good. Yeah. No, Heath's the only one that thinks he can be really good. I mean, he could be good. He could be serviceable. He could be a decent, you know, streaming fantasy quarterback. I don't think he showed some mobility. I don't Uh, think think he's a guy you want to say, I'm I'm, I'm banking my fantasy season on Gardner Minshew. Right. He showed some mobility. He threw a ton at Washington State under Mike Leach. And I, I think he showed that type of. Uh, ability to support multiple receivers and be an accurate passer and complete a lot of passes last year. He didn't really push the ball down the field a ton. Um, DJ Chark, obviously being the number one receiver, he's going to need to do that. But Chenault's a really good compliment to Chark. I, I really like LaVisca Chenault. I've, I've made that clear on the show plenty of times, but he's going to be an underneath closer to the line of scrimmage. Yak guy. That's really going to help uh, give Minshew options at every layer of the field. And, and Minshew adds some rushing ability. So I think he can be a solid starter. Yeah. You guys going Gardner Minshew or Baker Mayfield? Baker. Yeah, I'll go Baker. Daniel Jones or Gardner Minshew? Jones. Jones. Minshew or Drew Locke? 
Lock. Lock. I have Lock one spot ahead. All right, interesting. So what did you guys do with – how far did you move Lock and, and Derek Carr up? Lock, Lock. Uh, to 20. And Carr, I think, one spot to 24. Yeah, I have Carr at 29. I guess I didn't move him up, but I don't know that I really will. I don't think he – is a locked-in starter for for sixteen games. I agree. That makes me nervous to take him. He's he's more of like that low-end number two superflex quarterback. Um, but Locke is eighteenth for me, and I'm looking forward to rewatching his games from last year. I I think that what we saw from Denver in the draft is a sign that they want to be more aggressive offensively. Yeah. So you have Locke, Dave. Uh... He's eighteenth for me, ahead of Baker, Ben. Rivers, Bridgewater, and Minshew. Okay, what about Burrow versus Locke? Burrow for me. Jamie, yeah, I, got, I have Burrow a couple spots ahead. Yeah, Burrow. Uh, where's Burrow? I mean, Burrow? I'm tempted to put Burrow ahead of Aaron Rodgers. That was my next question. Yeah, how are you guys feeling about Joe Burrow right now? Loving him. Uh, I think he could be okay if he learns the offense quickly. Um, you know, that's going to be a big thing to keep an eye on with these guys this uh, potentially shortened offseason. Do you know who his workout partner was leading up to the draft? Uh, Jordan Palmer? No, I'm talking about a receiver. Oh, no. He was working out with T. Higgins leading up to the draft. And now they're teammates. Coincidence? That's cool. I think not. Yeah, and and he'll rush. uh, Do you guys have a projection for how many rushing yards? 250 is sort of a a milestone that I've artificial, that I've just sort of created based on last year where – can you get to the 250 mark? Maybe I should lower it to like 200 or something like that, but you're contributing, I think, if you're you know around 250. You're giving us, giving us something with a rushing game. I think he can get there. What, what do you project for Burrow rushing? Under 250. Yeah, I would be surprised if the Bengals incorporated that part of his game. I, I think it's scrambling. Off. I don't I don't think it's intentional. Maybe. Yeah, no, he'll he'll Maybe. run, but I don't I don't think it's you know, you, you say Dak ran for two fifty, I think I'll take the under if that's what Dak was at. He ran for two seventy seven. What's wild is Minshew ran for three forty four last year and I didn't think of him as a very mobile guy. I mean I, I think it just comes down to kind of the offense and the game situations. Minshew was trailing a lot of games. I think that's when he was scrambling a little bit more. Burrow's competitive. Been doing that a lot this year. Yeah. Well, Minshew, Bro's, Minshew Bro's competitive. Was, it wouldn't surprise me, but I, I agree. I would take the under. Minshew was on pace for 440 rushing yards in his in his 12 right. starts. So that's why I thought 250 was kind of realistic because, you know, Minshew, 440 is a lot. 250 is not that much. Uh, Daniel Jones was on pace for 365 in his 12 starts. But all right. But he can run. That's the point. So um, Burrow, top 15? He's there for me. Uh, just outside for me. I'd rather have Mayfield and Goff. I it was a close call between him and Goff. I, I've got him ahead of Goff for now. Okay, and uh, finally, like, talk to me about Jalen Hurts, Eagles' second round pick, and what he uh, means for Wentz and his future. It sounds to me like the Eagles want to incorporate him into the offense, kind of like how the Ravens incorporated Lamar Jackson as a rookie where they they set out to have him on the field for a couple plays each game, which sucks for Carson Wentz. But I I think that they want to do that, but more importantly, have a a good solution at quarterback for when Carson Wentz gets hurt. I think they recognize that Wentz does have a hard time staying healthy. That's something that's also baked into his um, ranking in fantasy. 
And if, if he goes down now, at least they can say, okay, we've got this talented quarterback who can come in and, and make plays and, and be a little bit different. I think the offense would look a lot different with him there versus Carson Wentz, but they, they, they clearly had a plan for him and a design for him. And, uh, you know, it, it's just hard to see him being a good contributor for fantasy so long as Carson Wentz is healthy. Okay, this is the last question now, Jamie. What did you do for two quarterback league purposes, I guess? What did you do with the Dolphins and the Chargers as the Dolphins drafted Tua Tagovailoa and the Chargers drafted Justin Herbert? I think even though despite he's coming off the injury, I think Tua will play before Herbert does because I think Tyrod can get the Chargers off to a decent enough start. Obviously, Anthony Lynn likes him, and their roster is pretty good. So I think that they'll stay in playoff contention. Um whether or not Tyrod is the reason for that. And what I mean is, you know, is he having these monster games or is he just doing what he needs to do? And so I think the Dolphins are going to still, you know, they'll, they'll clearly make improvements from where they were a year ago. But I think that they will be more apt to turn the reins over to Tua sooner than the Chargers will. So I would prefer Tyrod, I would prefer Tua over Herbert as a two quarterback option this year. And I think Tyrod's better than both. Finally, let's update you on the Twitter poll. Yeah. Dak Prescott, 33.1% of the vote. Russell Wilson, 28.6%. Kyler Murray, 19.5%. Deshaun Watson, 18.9%. 514 votes so far. Surprise. Closer than I would have guessed. Surprised, though, that Wilson is as close to Prescott as, uh, as he is. I thought it would be yeah. a bit of a runaway for Dak, but it's very close right now. Good show, guys. Well, I'll talk to you in a little bit. We got a, a live uh, FFT video show. 1 yeah, thanks PM for that. Way to promo. 1 p.m. Eastern <laughs> today. Every day. Every day at 12 o'clock, I said for today. Yeah, 12, 12 Eastern, um, Tuesday through Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern today. And we're doing a, our running back show tonight. You're going to hear that on Tuesday morning. And, of course, we have Twitch Tuesday night. Thanks for listening, everybody. For Jamie, for Dave, for Ben, and the other Ben, I'm Adam. Russell Wilson for life.